Welcome to a very special Halloween-themed edition of Cinema Smorgasbord this year coming out before the day itself, unlike recent years, which is a little bit fun. Uh, as we've done over the past several years, uh, this is an off-format episode where, where uh, Liam and I are going to cover two recently released horror films, uh, just like just like the popular podcasts do, Liam. Not like ours, but like ones that people actually listen to. I don't to. know. I hate podcasts, <laughs> so I have no idea. I only listen to ones that are hosted by big celebrities, so I don't know what... Oh, uh, yeah, what... yeah. No, that's right, right? Well, and you like <laughs> supplements, too, so you want to make sure you can get your supplements from them. Mm, absolutely. Supplements. Well, I'm... I'm uh, Actually, speaking of that, I'm... Uh, I'm. What's that green shit that people eat in the ads? Rise, Reese, no, the no, mushroom not, coffee? No, not the mushroom uh, coffee. I mean, that's something different. I'm talking, what's the stuff? The green stuff? Anyway, I'm not going to get into the green stuff here, though maybe there'll be some green stuff in one of these movies we're going to talk about today, Liam. Uh, Wait, are you talking we... about Soylent Greed? Was that a Soylent Greed joke? No, I just generally, there's like green goo in a lot of horror oh, movies. I've never, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, not in these two that I can remember. But the movies that we are going to be talking about today, one of them was chosen by you, Liam. And one of them was chosen by me. Uh, as I, I was just saying to Liam before we started recording, this is not a competition. This isn't like an episode of Cinema Fantastica. We had just happened to choose movies that we are then going to talk about. Liam is going to talk about his movie, and then I'm going to talk at him about it, and vice versa. And Liam, what is the movie that you chose? 2023. They're both from 2023. Yes. No one will save you. Yeah, this is a, this is a, a, a hot movie as of the time we're recording this, Liam. A lot of people talking about no one will save you. Uh, I, I guess it went exclusively to Hulu on September 22nd. So this is a, a new release. Yeah, I mean, literally, I was when I was thinking of this as a competition. Sure, I was going to pick something. <laughs> I was going to pick something that I had seen, and I realized, oh wait, this is not a competition. When we do this, it really is just about picking two <laughs> horror movies. And I thought, well, this is one of the few things that's out right now that I haven't seen and I want to see. Like, there's a lot of horror that's either on streaming or in theaters or whatever. Uh, that I just am not that interested in right now, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. Although I hear from multiple people that the new Saw movie is weirdly good, which, I heard that too. Which would like work, right? Like, hey, you know what? The you know the the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was really good, and I don't like a lot of other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff, so <laughs> it would make sense that the new Saw would suddenly be good. Or I don't know. <laughs> I, I, on the flip side of that, Liam, as of the day that we're recording this, the yeah. reviews have started coming in for the new Exorcist movie, yeah. and that sounds fucking awful. <laughs> I don't even think I would be willing to watch it unless I really had There it. is no heat for that movie whatsoever. I mean, if it ends up being like some surprise hit, I mean, mea culpa, but it looks... I've seen the trailer several times. I'm like, this doesn't look that good. Why the fuck did they make this? And there's nothing since that has shown me any reason. Maybe also with Freakin' Dying, I think it just makes me extra less interested in Agreed. it uh so yeah anyway so you picked that movie <laughs> i did I, I, I just to pull back the curtain a little bit i was going to initially pick skin a rink for my movie sure um and i asked you liam if you had already seen it and you said that you had and knowing how people's response has been to that movie which has been very mixed and i mean generally very positive but what i should say is people who didn't like it or didn't really uh gel with it they I don't think are excited about the idea of revisiting it. And I think you were one of those people. So I was like, I'm going to save Liam a rewatch of a movie he didn't enjoy. And instead I chose 2023's Cobweb, which came out, I believe in like June or July. It was this very, very strange release of, because this isn't just a Halloweeny film. It's explicitly a Halloween movie, right? It, it takes place around Halloween. There are pumpkins all over the fucking place. This is a movie to be watched on Halloween and they released it at the worst possible time. Now, 
that is, I'm not speaking of its quality uh, one way or the other as of yet, but I will say that the response at the time was like, hey, this movie really could have played a lot better if it came out a few months later, and we'll confirm or deny that, Liam. But had you had heard about uh, Cobweb before? It's one of those movies where I had seen the poster, but I hadn't heard anything about it. And confusingly, there's another movie of the same name yes. out this year, which mm-hmm. I did see the trailer for. So... I was a little confused by that, and it was only when you clarified that there was two of them that I realized, oh, these are two different movies. Um, but other than that, no, I certainly, I, I, I didn't know about it to the extent that when it starts and I realized the recognizable actors in it, right. I was very surprised because I didn't know either one of them was in the movie, and it really kind of blew me, or actually three, uh, it kind of blew me away that they were in this film, but I had not heard much about it. It was also, I read several articles after the movie came out and didn't do, I don't think, particularly well. Asking, it's like, basically just asking the question of, why does this movie not have any heat? It's a low-budget horror movie produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, right? Who, I mean, you know, they're names, they're big names, really. And they've gotten a lot of stuff kind of over the hump in regards to attention. And uh, some people had been comparing it to Barbarian, which is obviously a big movie from last year sure and it's a yeah so we'll get into that maybe what the hell they were thinking in regards to it uh but before we do that liam uh as is our usual tradition on our halloween episode i thought we'd start with talking about some of the recent horror movies that you and i have seen and i'm just going to be upfront. i've not watched a lot of recent horror movies liam i'm too busy watching absolute garbage for our variety <laughs> <laughs> right, but, uh, right, right. but you have you've you've and you have a few listed down here and actually before we talk about those three you have seen Skin and Marink, so can you give us just your uh, your quick thoughts on that? Oh, uh, sure, sure, sure. I it seemed like the uh, viewing public was pretty split on that movie. People yes. found it either really amazing or really frustrating. It's still one of the most bonker things, right? It's just a, a low, like super low budget Canadian movie that got yeah. this wide release. I still don't really understand it. I think for some people, the aesthetic choices were really kind of groundbreaking for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not feel that way. I felt, you know what I felt like, Doug? Did you, have you ever noticed that when a, a band, let me make a music <laughs> comparison, that is within a certain genre, breaks through to people who are unfamiliar with that genre, it hits them like, no one's ever sounded like this before. This is the most amazing thing ever, you know? So an example of this that some people will know, but you might not know, it's not that well known. But there's a band called Wolf Eyes that's a noise project. I know. And yeah, and so a lot of people are blown away by Wolf Eyes. But I feel like for a lot of people, if you've seen enough noise, Wolf Eyes is just another noise project and it's really not that special. But if it's like the first thing you've ever seen, whatever. To me... A low-budget movie that relies on uh, uh, mood and just has weird shots and really is about a kind of, like, slow build of dread is just, like, not that new. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not that different. And so my feeling on Skin and was not that it was, like, the worst thing. All these negative things that people were saying when they really hated it. But I wasn't understanding the people who felt that it was, like, redefining cinema or some crazy shit. I just felt like... It had some good insights. It did some some interesting things. But overall, it just wasn't that great. It was just fine. I, I really just thought it was fine. And I felt like it did not pay off some of its buildup. Um, and 
the reason I probably wouldn't want to watch it again is that I don't think I'm going to discover something new. You know what I mean? Like I think, I think a movie like that, that I have mixed feelings on. Sometimes I do want to revisit it to see if there's something else there. I just don't feel that way about Skinnerink, which I get for the people who love it. It's, you know, it's like sacrilegious that I'm saying this, right? Like it's like people really were devoted to this thing. However, going back in a more positive note, when you say it's low budget, Doug, I mean, it's like micro budget, right? It's yeah. like made for like no money. Yeah, it's like so, no budget nightmares level uh, budget. Absolutely. So I think it is for that extent far more coherent than a lot of movies that have far larger budgets that it has. You know what I mean? Like it is actually a coherent thing. And people who just say it's nothing and there's nothing there, I think are just being blockheaded, right? right it's right. just, it's so against, again, it's something that's so against their aesthetic that they want to say it's nothing and while i don't think it's the best version of what it is it's not nothing and i think it's actually you know in sections very well done i just don't think it it really nailed what it was trying to do and that's fine it doesn't have to be a perfect movie to still be interesting for me though i'm glad we're not we didn't watch it again because i just don't (laughs) think i have something else to say about it you know I feel like Skinnerink was kind of playing into this kind of new generation of very online filmmakers who are making low budget stuff. Some of it, you know, there's a movie called Backrooms. You know this movie? The the it's made by like a I think it was like a 15 or 16 year old, and it's it's all about these kind of liminal spaces and the creepiness of it. Feels this like is, it's this is from, based off the TikTok trend of Backrooms. I, no, no. I well, I think I don't know. I mean, I'm I. I'm an old man, Liam, but I think it yeah. has something to do very online. And I'm actually bringing this up because I'm tying it into the idea that the directors of Talk to Me were also like they were YouTube directors, yes. right? They were right, making right, right. short films for YouTube, and this was their feature debut. What did you think of Talk to Me? Uh, it was getting a lot of heat. I think overall it's good, and I get why people like it. I'm a little concerned about some of the the racial dynamics of it, Doug. Mm. Like, you know, it's set in Australia, so I'm already skeptical. The person... <laughs> I'm just saying, man. They're I mean, they- fair enough, Ben. It's like if you said it in South Africa, you're going to be looking at it a little different way, right? Well, I think in the sense that, like, it- here's a movie set in Australia in which the character who is living on the edge, who has a rough family life, who has to go to... Uh, a friend's house and their more stable family is a person of color, right? And then the family that's more stable that ends up getting destroyed to some extent by her bad decisions, which in the movie are about a supernatural thing, but are clearly a stand-in for addiction. Well, they're white people, Doug. Right. And and we already have an example of another white family that's destroyed by the supernatural thing. And then the supernatural thing is being brought to these parties by uh, one person who is white, but another person who is not white. I think they are possibly indigenous or Maori or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they're sure, they're no, at least they're at least not a white person. And in fact, when they introduce the supernatural thing, they pretend like it has something to do with their background. And only later in the movie do they reveal, "Oh no, I just bought this off of some white guy I know." You know what I mean? But when they're at the party, they're like, it's a traditional blah, blah, blah. You know, they they use their background as a way to sell it, which is in some ways an interesting character choice. Yeah, that, I mean, that could go in a really interesting but direction. I, but right? I think the vibe for me of the movie is that they were so concerned about the fear, which is great in a horror movie, that they don't think they stopped to go, hey, this movie kind of functions as a uh, metaphor for addiction. And uh, our main addict is 
the only actually not you know there's really only one other not white character in the whole movie and he basically is functioning as the dealer in this scenario so like maybe this is a bad look for us and I, and considering the decisions it it this character is I don't want to spoil anything but I will say that your sympathy for this character is tested in a way and I just wonder if maybe you know, it, it, that was not the best decision to be made in, in my mind. Now, granted, I don't know that it's a it derails the whole movie, but I did turn the movie off and thought about it for a while, Doug, even though there are parts that I was just like, oh, this is scary. This is well done. That was very tense. When it was over, I just thought it's weird. It's weird that the <laughs> it's weird that the black family is the one that has all the problems. I just don't know if I feel that. I don't know if I'm into that, but OK. We'll just let it go. We'll just let it go, you know? Didn't pass Liam's woke smell test. I mean, that's really what it was. Again, I'm not accusing it of anything. (laughs) I just felt uncomfortable, and I thought, maybe it's just me. And then when I went on, I saw people who loved the movie who were like, uh, do we need to have a race conversation Mm -hmm. about this thing? You know, because their feeling is that maybe in Australia, people are just less. Again, not that they're more racist, though some people do feel that way. I think it's more a question of, there's maybe less of that conversation going on. And so they just didn't realize like, oh, this is a movie about white people's lives being destroyed. Maybe we should think that through a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, whatever. It's Otherwise, it kind of works for me. I just think it's, it's also a very cruel movie. Right. And so I think some people are going to go in expecting like fun, supernatural, whatever. And it's it's not. It's really brutal at times. Really yeah, I, I I don't think that again. I haven't seen it, and I'm not making throwing any accusations around. But the fact that the directors are so kind of hyperactive in their way that yeah, they're very young and they're very and maybe the sensitivities sometimes you know you, you come to those places and the sensitivities are dialed up really high, and other places at times maybe they just don't care about that. I think a lot of people were also surprised that the movie looked to be so moody as opposed to kind of the hyperactive style that they were known for for their short films. But I'm still curious to see what's coming next. By the way, I want to make it very clear on this episode of the podcast, we're going to try, I mean, we'll do more than try. We're going to avoid spoilers. These are very recent horror films that we're going to be talking about. It's hard because both of the movies that we're going to be talking about really do have kind of a twisty element to them, but we're going to, we're not going to uh, to delve into it so deep that we're going to spoil the movies. I think that's kind of important in this case. Liam, you also saw a movie called Bad Things. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Yes, uh, and uh, it was okay. Um, <laughs> it's 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 being compared to The Shining a good deal. Oh, uh, and I think if you if you described right uh, the plot of The Shining to people who've never seen it, and then they got really high, and then they tried to make their own weird version of it. This could be that. It's also not that too, if that makes sense, you know, sure. but it, it is about a haunted hotel. It's also a very queer movie, which I think is interesting for folks. There's a lot of like relationship and identity issues going in. Um, I like the vibe of it, Doug. It's it's also super low budget in, you know, talking about Skin Marink. I don't know what the, uh, at least the vibe, the way that when you're watching it, it feels low budget, which might turn some people off. Sure. For me, it didn't. I do think it builds toward, towards a climax that it doesn't quite earn. Right, right. Um, but I didn't find it bad. I thought it was cool. I liked the performances. There was a lot of haunting imagery. Like it's definitely a creepy movie. Right. But the way that it, I don't want to spoil anything. But the climax of the movie for me, Doug, I thought was not where I expected it to go, and I kind of found it to be disappointing. 
All right. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and how about you have one other listed here, Birth Slash Rebirth, which I know you've just recently watched. Yeah. If people want to get more in-depth on that, they should listen to – it's not out yet, uh, but it will be out by the time this comes out, I hope. The new episode of Horror Business where we talk about it, um, it's very much a modern reinterpretation of Frankenstein. Uh, but unlike Frankenstein, it has a uh, parental element because a nurse who is you know overworked and is working a lot, her child dies unexpectedly of uh, meningitis or something right. along those lines. Mm-hmm. And then the pathologist who works at that hospital where her daughter is has been experimenting, trying to bring things back to life a la mm-hmm. Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and the mom discovers that she's stolen the body and has brought her daughter kind oh, wow. of kind of back to life. Uh, and none of that's a spoiler. That's the setup of the movie. And then the right. movie is, how does she respond? This has been a point of tension. I've read a lot of reviews after I after I'd watched it and kind of you know had my own thoughts of people who felt like the moment when the mom decides to stick around is like perhaps not believable. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where it's like, that is what some parents would do. I get that it might be hard to understand that if if you're not that kind of parent or if you're not a parent at all. But right. when, watching it for me, I thought, oh, cool. So this isn't just about science gone wrong. It's about parenting gone wrong. And I think in 2023, a movie about parenting gone wrong is actually really powerful. Sure, and it's sure, really absolutely. important conversation. So I think all that's great. I personally think they did not explore enough the other aspect of the movie, which is her economic situation, that she is in this situation where her daughter is put in danger because she's struggling to like pay the bills and to live. Mm-hmm. And the movie starts in that place where that's really about, you know, to some extent what the movie's about. And then it kind of abandons that for other themes. Uh, and I think it would have been better to keep that present in some way. I don't know that I have the solution. I'm not saying I, I could have done a better movie, but it was just as a viewer, I thought, I wish that was more an element of the film because it is a movie that is less scary and more thoughtful, mm. uh, which isn't to say there aren't moments that are jarring, but I think it's more a movie that makes you think and feel you know, unsettled than it is a movie that's like actually kind of scaring the shit out of you, you know? You know, since I brought it up briefly, and because it is a movie I can at least contribute some thoughts to, uh, what did you think of Barbarian? I mean, it was one of the big horror surprises of last year. I liked it a lot. I saw it twice. Um, I enjoyed it both times. Uh, I get that it's a little squishy in the middle, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think some people felt the reveal of everything was a bit unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I think there are aspects of that I kind of agree with. Um, uh, but overall, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, I, I remember having very positive memories about it. But I also remember hearing some criticisms that made sense to me, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I can't. I don't want to. I'm kind of. A, it's kind of far away from me right now. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I also enjoyed it very much. Uh, but it's also one of those things where you know how we are where it's just like it's not it's not that a positive response is going to make us like something less but i do think that when there's a lot of cumulative positive response it makes you want to take a critical eye to something and i think it's worthwhile to do that but that said i was really impressed by the movie right just the structure of it i thought was so interesting and when it switches to the you know the this the flashback with the killer and and you get to see you know the the way that that is is stylized and visualized i think is so interesting and you know just to see a director come from basically nowhere and someone who's was explicitly 
uh, and almost exclusively known for comedy up to that point to come out of nowhere and just do something that blew people's socks off. Hey, you know what? I think it's still something to celebrate, even if it wasn't something just like uh, some of the movies that we've talked about already, just like a skin of a rink or talk to me or, or really any of these movies, a lot of young filmmakers involved here, people who haven't gotten a lot of, I'm going to stop using this word now, heat before, uh, all we want to see is is more opportunities, more mid-budget horror movies, and maybe even higher-budget horror movies to see what they can really do. Speaking of mid-budget horror movies, Liam, both of the movies that we're going to be talking about today would probably fit comfortably into that category. A lot of ideas in both of them, but also two very, very different movies. When we come back from our break, you are going to introduce us, Liam, to 2023's No One Will Save You, right after this. <laughs> An exiled, traumatized young woman must battle an alien who's found its way into her home. <laughs> it's 2023's This Very Year's No One Will Save You. Directed and written by Brian Duffield. Brian Duffield. Duffield. Uh, uh, he directed 2020's Dark Comedy Spontaneous. Did you see Spontaneous, Doug? Did not see Spontaneous. I actually liked Spontaneous. I think a lot of people thought it was stupid, but I thought it was fun, if very silly, uh, in a way that this movie is not silly, you know, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, and then as far as writing qu- credits, Love and Monsters, Underwater, The Babysitter. Uh, Duffield is also known for having a lot of spec scripts uh, named to the blacklist, which is that compendium of like well-regarded but unproduced screenplays, which I hear about all the time. But, I, you know, I feel like half the times when one of those screenplays finally gets off that list, the movie isn't that good anyway. So it's I don't so know. true. I think it's a little bit overrated, personally. Uh, stars uh, Caitlin Deaver, who, by the way, uh, is great. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Kalwev. I don't know how to say that, Doug. Kalu? I mean, frankly, I mean, these are other people who are in the movie, but this is a one woman show. Yeah, it's Caitlin sure. Deaver, right? And the other people are there and they do important stuff for their scenes, but it's all about her. Uh, but I'll just run through really quick. Sure. Uh, Zach Duhame, Lauren L. Murray, Geraldine Singer, Dane Rhodes, uh, Evangeline Rose, and so on and so on. Um, basically, uh, as Doug just suggested, but for maybe there are people listening who haven't seen it at all, uh, this is a movie that is sort of touting that it doesn't have dialogue really um it is a film in which we spend a lot of time with one character as they quietly deal with this circumstance which is you know saying simply an alien is not really descriptive which is good because we wouldn't (laughs) want to ruin the movie for you uh but but it is much more than just this one alien kind of gets stuck in her house. A lot of things happen, and we see her dealing with these things, and she's just expressing herself with her face, and we have to be on board with that or not, you know. And 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 
I, I think there's a lot to say about that, but before we do, Doug, talk at me about this movie. Tell me, what did you think of No One Will Save You? You know, Liam, I saw the trailer before I saw the movie. Yeah. And I don't think that the trailer, like the trailer, it, it definitely sells the movie that it is. But that gimmick, the gimmick of the no dialogue, is not something that's really teased in the trailer. So, bit of a um, surprise for me. It was a bit of a surprise, absolutely. And I know that we're going to talk about all of these things in turn, but I do want to say right up front, simply because it is the thing that is most prominent in my mind, that I think that everything I don't like about this movie ties to that gimmick. The gimmick of the okay. lack of dialogue. Okay, okay. Because it just, I feel like the movie makes compromises it doesn't have to make. And um, it it moves away from logic in a way that I found really distracting because it's trying to cater to the gimmick. And it's just like, you know, I understand why they're doing it. There's a few elements in this uh, movie that are very idea-based. It's like, I have a great idea for this movie. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And it's like some of those ideas hit really well for me. And other ones I'm like, Look, I can see your hand, right? It just feels like a really bad magician at that point. Overall, I really liked it. I think that lead performance is terrific. One of the things that you didn't really get into is that this lead character is basically a pariah in her yeah. town. And that's super important. She is disliked and you do not know why. And we are not going to tell you on this podcast why that is. Because that is a big reveal of the movie. But I have to say... When that reveal happened, even though it was like, oh, now this all makes sense, it also kind of made me a little angry about a lot of different things that came previously, which is just that, well, anyway, I'm not, I don't want to tease it or even give any hints to it, but just because it's, I am, it's, it is for me, Doug, the worst part of the movie. It is, it's the, the, the only reason it's not the worst part of the movie for me is that it leads into the ending, which I think is actually kind of fun and clever and strange in a way that was a lot more. Uh, engaging than everything that was immediately coming before it. But I do just have two things to say, and we can, you can maybe you'll have a response to this that that will completely destroy this. But the fact that she doesn't have, like she's a pariah, maybe she doesn't have any familial connections. We know that her mother is dead. That's something that's established very early on. We know why we find out later why these connections don't exist. But she doesn't seem to have any technology, right? She doesn't have a, a cell phone or a computer. She doesn't like have any connections to the outside world. Does she have any extended family? She hasn't made friends in a decade. No friends at all in this entire community. And she didn't decide to leave. She didn't decide to leave after 10 years of just hating her life. And maybe she feels so much guilt she can't leave. That's reasonable, but that doesn't come through. But the no technology, no calling people, no texting people, no social media to find out what's going on in the world, I just couldn't believe it. And the other thing is something I wrote on social media myself, which is I cannot believe that she has that large house, has no friends and no family, and doesn't have a cat. Are you kidding me? No cat or a dog? Some pet in that entire house? It makes no sense. But if you had a cat, she'd have to fucking talk to it. And this movie doesn't want her talking. It'll do anything to keep her from talking. She, that part in the movie where she goes to see the police officer and then something happens in that, in that station and she walks away from it. I mean, I get it. She's really like traumatized and upset. But like, that's a part in the movie where I'm like, look, you got to tell somebody. You got to tell someone what's going on, right? So I just felt like the gimmick was holding the movie back from being as special as it really could be. That said, I still had a really high appreciation for the technical aspects of it. I was I was going to argue with you, Doug, but I think instead, I think you really opened this up for me. You're right. So, well, okay, let me start with a question, though, Doug. Sure. Are you against the gimmick because you're against gimmicks 
for movies, like some sort of angle that sells it beyond the movie itself? Or do you just think this particular gimmick isn't working for this particular film? I feel like uh, you can do a gimmick that's in um, that's in support of the content in a way that enhances it as opposed to distracts from it. So something sure. like Rope, right? Like Hitchcock's Rope, which I feel like, you know, it, the gimmick is the one shot. And there's been several horror movies that are have kind of imitated the idea of trying to do like a one take uh, format. Sure. And I think that that, you know, that can really build tension and suspense in a way and it's also in that particular case with Hitchcock, it was not only a stylistic exercise; it was basically to say, "Look at like it was it was drawing attention to itself while also saying, look how I'm pushing the medium forward." Here, it really felt like it was an idea first, right? It was just like, "Hey," and it, that's why it was so strange not to see it in the in the trailer or have it somehow how uh, teased in the trailer. Th- th- this is a no dialogue horror movie, and that's what it is. I guess I don't really have an answer for what you're saying because some I, I have seen gimmick movies where I've really enjoyed them and didn't feel as distracted. This is just one where I just couldn't stop thinking about it. But one of the other things I couldn't stop thinking about is like, why didn't they just set this a few years in the past? I, I saw some people online. It's like, oh, I thought it took place in the 80s, but then she has an HD TV in her fucking living room. So that threw that out the window. It's just like, well, wh- why didn't you set it in the 80s? Well, okay. Here's the other question I have for you from what you're saying, Doug. How did you know how much time had passed? I had no idea about how much time had passed from the incident to when we were watching the movie. Well, I I mean, I think that they explicitly show them as children, right? And she's the actress is in her early 20s at the very least. She's living on her own. So she has to be, even if she's younger than the character, she has to be, say, uh, early 20s, 21 or 19, maybe the youngest. And if she was, and she was obviously when they show those incidents with the children uh, that, that, that lead to the big thing that happens. I mean, she, she, I would, I interpreted that as being like 12, 11 years old. Were you thinking that maybe it was just a few years before? Like they were like, like teenagers. Well, that's the thing. I don't know, Doug, nothing about that part of the movie makes sense to me in any way, shape or form. Um, And it's funny because I never stopped to think about how the gimmick might be the very reason that the movie is not, making some decisions that make sense i i think maybe also you were doing a better job of dissecting this movie and i was getting distracted by things that other people probably don't care about and thus would not be as distracting for them uh so like the technology thing never fucking occurred to me Doug. Didn't think about it. <laughs> even for one minute did i stop and go why doesn't she call someone in fact when she goes to get the cops, the right thing is what you said, which is, well, if the movie wasn't so interested in her not talking, she would still say something. We'd see, see her saying something. Instead, the minute she leaves to go get the cops, I'm like, girl, what are they going to do? This is a waste yeah. of time. <laughs> like, like I literally was like, I don't know what you think is going to happen when you go to the police. Like, that just seems silly to me, um, which is silly because that doesn't make sense for this movie. Uh, I was spending more time, Doug, being distracted by something that uh and I, i'll air my thing out and then i'll get yeah, to yeah. what i had as a question for you which is which is this doug um alien movies aren't fucking scary i, I just got to put it out there and this is interesting this is a big deal because uh famously my co-host on my horror podcast justin oh. lore Uh-oh. is deeply terrified of aliens he's still convinced that fire in the sky is one of the scariest movies that's ever See, existed i mean i, I was i knew that that title was going to come up and yeah. i know that i don't know if i've ever mentioned it on one of our podcasts before but notoriously i am 
Look, I know that that one sequence in Fire in the Sky, it was in everyone saw it when they were a kid and it traumatized them for life. I'm telling you, go back and watch that entire movie. It is five minutes of scares and 90 minutes of boredom. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, but that take that, and that's how I feel about almost every Alien movie. At least, <laughs> at least unless we're talking about like Alien. But Alien sure. is a monster movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as we're talking about greys, let's call them, right? Sure. Uh, that's not scary. They're not scary. I don't care if they you mean have... like like almond eyes, yeah, yeah, gray yeah, yeah. skin, right? The traditional. I think alien, most yeah. people know what greys are. I don't I'm know. Not talking, Just it up. I'm not talking about there. lizard people here. I'm not talking about tall whites. I'm talking about greys. Greys are not scary. <laughs> and I would argue, without spoiling anything, that this movie also doesn't think greys are not scary and makes some decisions about that, which are, in my mind, never justified in any way, shape, or form. Because we've got the aliens, and then we've got a variety of aliens, and the movie never bothers to go, yeah, what are these other fuckers about? What is this about? And I would say, for me as a viewer, Doug, didn't make any sense and was almost as bad as the other thing that I hated about the movie. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about the the movie Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan movie? Stupid, stupid movie. Terrible movie. Hate it. Yep. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I don't have any strong feeling. I do know that a lot of people, and I was one of those people too, that that scene that when they're watching the footage from the birthday party and you see the alien go across, that that's like a very famous scare moment. I remember being in the theater during that and there was a row of teenage girls in front of me and literally it was like a cartoon. They all threw their popcorn up in the air at the same time. Yeah, I don't care about that. Punch, <laughs> pun, punch an alien in the face. I don't care. It's whatever. <laughs> the uh, aliens in this movie are kind of like they're diverse – but like I was kind of left wondering as well what their whole deal was, right? I don't. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe I should have done a little more research on we how much that is explained. But like I just, they feel very unknowable. And 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 I want to point out that this is a couple of my concerns are things like that that I don't want to get too into because I don't want to spoil it for people. Yeah, yeah. But I will say the big thing that we don't want to spoil for people the ending. I'm with you. I liked it. Turns out. A lot of the internet feels the opposite, Doug, that they think this was a great movie up until the end, which oh, then they felt like it shit the bed. And I think not that. I think that huh. actually the movie's pretty good. As much as you're right, there are some weird decisions that maybe are only there because of the gimmick. I was pretty wrapped up, Doug. I didn't find myself worrying about those things. And I'm not even afraid of Grace. And I still found myself wrapped up in the movie less in like a fear way, more like a thriller. A lot of this played like an action movie for me where I'm mm. hoping she can get through what she's going through. Even if the things that are coming after, her, I'm not, they don't deeply, you know, make me feel unsettled the way that they might for other people. Uh, but I was pretty invested. I will say it's a, it's, Considering it's not that long of a movie, it's a little longer, I think, than it needs to be. I think it kind of mm. extends itself a little more than it needs to. But the final sort of uh, climax into Denouement, I think, is brilliant, and I loved it, and it made me very happy. And I thought that was, for me, the strongest part of the movie, whereas the reveal of the central question of why she's in this position was the weakest part of the movie. I actually kind of wish that the ending happened at like the halfway mark and then there was more that played into that because I find that aspect of it so much more interesting. I agree. Than a lot of what immediately came before. There's also, I, I'm going to be careful about this because it's not a spoiler about that big moment near the end, but the aliens aren't just, you know, banging around houses and freaking out people. They're possessing them, right? They're putting some sort of spore thing in their bodies to possess them. And when those people are possessed, they are basically fantasizing about a, 
uh, things that they want in their life. Very, I mean, I, it felt to me like it was explicitly a reference to for the man who has everything, the Superman, uh, what well, we've covered on Eric Roberts, the fucking man when they did the adaptation of it, but the, sure. the black mercy from that where it, it even kind of looks like the black mercy from that comic. But I still think that idea is really interesting as well. I think it's because the movie sort of invites you to, to put yourself in the place of this person and say, what would you do in those circumstances? And that's what had me thinking about technology. Maybe it's because I'm a very technology driven person. So the first thing I thought was, Oh, there's shit going down in the world. Better go on social media, find out what the hell's going on, or at least look it up. It just seemed like she had no interest in the wider world of what think, was going on. I think the thing that they're trying to suggest, Doug, the, the way she, I, you're Canadian, so you probably didn't pick up on this, but the way she, <laughs> the way she, the way she dresses suggests something is wrong with her. Like yeah. I think, I think there are people who will watch this and go, "Oh, yeah, she, I guess she's just a little old fashioned." I think she's more than a little old fashioned. I think the 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 way she dresses is to suggest something has gone wrong, that she has regressed and she's not progressed since a certain point. And then that's supposed to explain the technology question. I would say I don't think it does. I think it's I think they needed to show us more to for that to make sense. But that's the vibe I get is You know what that could have worked. That totally could have worked. They yeah. should not have shown her TV in her house then in that case. I 100% agree. I think the TV is is a weird decision, but then maybe they did that so that we would know it was still a modern movie. But I think you could get that from her Subaru Outback. I think the Subaru yeah, well, Outback well, that's is, what, true as well. is what would tell you it's a modern <laughs> it's a modern thing. Anyways, point is this: uh, I found it satisfying for a lot of it. Performance wise, we've already said it's really just this one performance and we both think it's a pretty good performance the other thing that she's kind of performing against are these special effects and so i gotta ask doug what did you think of the special effects in the movie it's hard because of what you were saying which is that if you are not explicitly creeped out by these specific kind of aliens they try to do more with them right they make them larger and they make them a little bit more um unnerving in the way that they move around and they have these kind of scary sounds that they make but they're still just little gray dudes walking around, right? I mean, it's hard to make that scary, especially when it's just one of them at a time. Now, they have powers and stuff, and we get to see them use those powers, and obviously I, the possession aspect is interesting as well, but it it gets a little home alone uh, at times, and it also, you really have to buy in that these mostly CG creatures are real three-dimensional things that have weight and some of the time that just didn't hold for me yeah i gotta agree with you doug that i didn't think it was totally distracting but there's so much of that of that cg going on that at certain points i found myself being like i there's not enough here for me to care you know what i mean uh i do think they do a lot of work with her as a performer um, yeah. And her running around and things sort of happening around her, uh, Kate, Caitlin Deaver. I think she does a lot to make this world feel more real, but it's not enough to me to make the whole thing feel lived in um, in a way that that was engaging for me. So it's a bummer, no matter how much she's acting her ass off. If all we have are these digital images, it works a lot of the time. I'm not a full CG yeah. hater. Sure, but sure. There are definitely moments where there's so much of it. And I get it, like there I don't want to spoil anything. There are a few moments that are so unreal that they're gonna be a CG fest because that works for what we're seeing. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are other moments where it's just like 
it just none of it feels like it's happening and that's a little little distracting to me personally overall though i still found it more satisfying than unsatisfying and i still felt pretty good about watching it i think doug you felt the same right that yeah even though we both have criticisms it was overall a pretty fun movie I think it was hard to find a movie that is so reliant on this specific gimmick to be entirely satisfying. And it also feels kind of like a movie that, going back to what you were saying in the opening segment, either the next time I watch it, if I ever watch it again, either I'll already have gone through those emotions of, of, oh, this was distracting to me, and I'll just be able to relax and enjoy it for what it is, or I'll find those things so irritating right from the beginning that I'll just not be able to enjoy it whatsoever. But I have a feeling that this is a movie that actually... Uh, I will like more on a repeat viewing because I'll be able to now that, you know, after knowing what the twist is, after knowing what it's all building to, you can kind of relax a little bit more and just appreciate the aesthetics of it. And the fact that, you know, there's a lot of quirky and odd decisions that they make within it. And that it does have a really terrific central performance, but I mean, it better, right? It fucking better because that's all you got. (laughs) All I'm going to say is, Take the same movie, replace the aliens with demons, and you've got a much better movie. And you could still have the no talking gimmick and have all the people getting possessed, and it wouldn't be stupid aliens. Uh, that's I, all I'm going to say. I, I don't disagree, but I do have to say that I think the idea that the aliens are unknowable, both negatively and positively, like you're supposed to be scared of them, but they might, you know, you don't know what their motivations are, so it could be something positive and how that maybe plays into stuff that happens later that's harder to do if you have them a be incredibly scary or b be something else that's like a demon right it, it, it changes that aesthetic of the ending hmm. i didn't know you're so uh prejudiced against demons Doug. okay cool well that's it let's take a break and we'll come demons back. to some angels to other yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's take a break we'll when we come back let's talk about cobweb i heard it again no more nightmares tonight. Okay, champ? <gasps> Daddy! This is getting ridiculous. This is an old house. There's bound to be bumps in the night. Peter drew this? Yes. Is he all right? Peter has an overactive imagination. No more nightmares. No. That's right. You know, I wish I had someone I could talk to about the things that were happening in my house. An eight-year-old boy tries to investigate the mysterious knocking sounds that are coming from inside the walls of his house, unveiling a dark secret that his sinister parents have kept hidden from him. It's Cobweb from the year 2023, directed by Samuel Bowden uh, and written by Chris Thomas Devlin, the writer of the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre film uh, went straight to Netflix. Liam, did you see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film from 2022? No, man. Well, you're going to get canceled, bro. <laughs> It's a line from the movie, Texas Chainsaw. Some people like it. Some people really uh, enjoy that. I have not seen it, so I'm not going to uh, say anything about that. Unlike your film, which only had one major star, Liam, this one is star-packed. It stars Lizzie Kaplan, the wonderful Lizzie Kaplan from Party On and probably other things that are more well-known than that. Uh, Anthony Starr, do you watch The Boys, Liam? I do watch The Boys, and seeing him in this was actually one one of the delights. Okay. Well, I've never seen it, but I'm certainly aware of that character. Anthony Starr plays Homelander, I believe, right? The uh, the character, the villainous character. Is that right on The Boys? Yes. And we have Peter played by Woody Norman. And also one other familiar face, though not because of the actor. 
Luke Busey is in this. Uh, and I kept saying to my wife, as who was watching some of this movie while I was watching it, Luke Busey, a member of the Busey family. I was like, oh, the grandson of Gary Busey. No, Liam, the son of Gary Busey. Oh, interesting. Is it because Jake Busey is obviously a well-known actor, looks a lot like his father. How is this child so young? I don't understand it. I don't want to think about it. But anyway, uh, there is another Busey running around the world. This is his uh, film debut. He looks just like Gary Busey, and it is disconcerting. Wouldn't you say? I didn't notice. Didn't? I, all right. Okay. <laughs> you did watch the movie, right? You didn't watch the fucking Korean one? <laughs> no, I did watch it. I just didn't notice. Little, it, He looks like they fucking deep faked Gary Buse anyway. Anyway. Liam, what did you think of Cobweb? It was fine. <laughs> uh, we'll it, see you next year, folks. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 think, I think there's a lot to like when it first starts. Um, I, I, as I said, I do watch The Boys, and I think that... Um, Anthony Starr is pretty good uh, in the things I've seen him in. And I think in this, he's bringing some of that Homelander thing where he's both menacing and incredibly insecure. Hmm. Interesting. And it's, and it's unclear which of uh, Peter's parents have the dominant sort of relationship, whether it's the Carol character played by Lizzie Kaplan, who I also love mm -hmm. or the, or Mark played by Anthony Starr. And their relationship with Peter is interesting because it is both dominating slash abusive while still protective in some way. Sure. And there's a central mystery that I think can be very attractive. And it and the the awkward parenting aspect of this movie, which remind me uh which reminded me of other movies in which there's like awkward parenting that can make me there's a lot of like, you know, uh uh I mean, I'm not trying to be mean to my mom, but there's a little bit of there's a little bit of like trauma from my own past that I see oh this and goodness. go. Well, especially with there's a Cleopatra Coleman who I think is also very good in this. I really think Lizzie Kaplan, Anthony Starr, and Cleopatra Coleman are the best parts of the movie. I wish her movie. character had a little more to a little more meat to it. That's all. I, I think she's good, but there's just that character is barely a character. I agree, but I understand sort of her role in the movie, sure. and, and I and I feel like that's a thing that also felt very real to me and i think the movie does tap into probably real experiences that some kids have where they feel alienated from their parents and they feel sort of at odds with their parents uh the movie pushes that vibe so hard that i kept expecting a much bigger reveal though doug and i you mm. know this is a movie even more than the last one that i don't want to spoil anything right. per se but i will say that if we were gonna spoil uh, that's where a lot of that is a lot where a lot of my complaints would would lie is that I found the reveal of what's actually going on with this family to be underwhelming um, that there's not as much mystery. There's not as much surprise. Things are a little bit more on the surface than you expected them to be. Uh, and that's frustrating. I really wanted there to be something wild. Uh, and not only is the reveal a letdown, but then the resolution of the reveal and what's what are we going to do now that the let's say the cat is out of the bag so to speak uh, -huh. <laughs> uh that is utterly disappointing in every way <laughs> uh, liam if you could have heard my wife's response to it cutting to credit she's like that's not it is it 
that is that, are you kidding me and she was upset of course she doesn't have a lot of experience with horror movies she wasn't exactly feeling it too strongly but she got wrapped up in it i think she saw a clip on tiktok or something like that uh and she was like okay i want to see what this is all about and then when it got to the end and it just kind of cuts off it i'm like all in my, my brain is screaming it's like you should have done this this and this why didn't you fucking do this but uh yeah I'm, i mean I, it's not you know i i feel comfortable saying the movie utterly wastes these performances by Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr, who are so weird and awkward and menacing in it. It's not maybe the their best performances ever, but I think they do a strong deal here. I with don't this think script. it wastes their performance. I though, think right? I think it does because in the end, who cares? They don't matter. None of the shit they do, Doug. Oh, I see. The whole movie saying. matters. They build up all this tension and all this dread. There's a there's a dream sequence that's utterly terrifying. It has it has a weird special effect in it that will haunt me in my fucking nightmares. And then the big climax is stupid, and nothing interesting happens. And don't I don't you think thought, they should have had like three other dream sequences that were like right? Doesn't yes. it feel like it's like yes. oh shit, that's really good. How come there isn't like way more of that? Because yeah. Yeah, I, I, it does I, feel I like even, a showreel sometimes rather than a, yes. a, a real complete movie. I would even go so far as to say Woody Norman, who is not the best child actor I've ever seen, is pretty strong in a, with a script that I think is not the best per se. Sure. I still found him pretty strong for what he's asked to do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And again, that doesn't go anywhere. There's it just the whole thing kind of falls apart for me at the end not in a way where i thought this is like the worst movie ever or anything like that but it made me feel less positive towards the beginning of the movie which i was feeling pretty good about i was like this is this is pretty good I, it's weird that i haven't heard about this and then when it was over i thought oh it's because this movie's not good that's why i haven't heard because it, <laughs> it's not a good movie and it's kind of a waste of time I will say that, and not that we should always be pointing to this sort of thing, but our shared friends on Letterboxd generally were very positive on this movie. And I remember hearing a lot of very positive reviews at the time. As I was saying at the beginning of the episode, I read a few articles which is just like, this is a Halloween movie. What the fuck is it doing coming out in July? Do you have an answer for that, Liam? Because like, like I said before, this is a movie that takes place during the week leading up to Halloween. It's all about Halloween. Pumpkins play a very important central role to it. What were they doing throwing this out in July? Uh, they were hiding it because they also didn't think it was that good. <laughs> you know, I I saw reviews that compared this directly to Barbarian. They're suggesting that it was a similarly toned movie, though. In terms of content, there are some similarities, but not really. Um, you know, because the 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 anyway, I'm not going to get into it because it might go into spoiler territory. But if it was marketed like Barbarian was, which kind of came out of nowhere, had this kind of groundswell, I don't see. I don't think this movie has as broad of an appeal, especially because it doesn't have any real humor in it, which I think is one of the real big appeals of Barbarian, which has those kind of moments of weird humor, especially that Justin Long performance. But I feel like this movie could have been a contender, Liam. All they had to do was release it right now, as opposed to in the middle of July. I mean, if I'm being more objective, I think you're correct. It's just hard because I think Barbarian's pretty good. Yeah, And I think this movie, it comes out now. I think you're right. A lot of people go to see it. And then a lot of people start posting on the internet. I mean, to be fair, Twitter's done. So maybe it would not get as as viral about how much this movie sucks. But um, I do think people would be talking about it more often. I almost feel like putting it out when no one saw it in the theater just means more people will be tricked to watching it on streaming. Yeah, maybe. I've got a bit of a push on streaming, which I don't really feel like it has up to this point. It's... Again, I, I think I'm a little more positive on it than you are, simply because 
about the first three quarters of it are about that mystery, right? What's up with this kid's parents? Why are they so weird? Why are they so kind of, um, why are they so secretive? And this kid uh, starts to, I don't think this is a, a major spoiler since it's such a central part of the plot. He hears those noises in his room. They try to make him think that it's nothing at all. And then he starts hearing voices in his room and they just seem to ignore it. When you know the whole story, it makes no fucking sense how, like, they're not doing anything about what's going on, right? It feels like it's all heading towards something that they could have stopped, but they just didn't. But, I mean, they are, I do think that the two actors, Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr, they do a good job of playing that kind of odd, kind of hyper uh, wholesome with that dark side in public and then more of that dark side coming out elsewhere. Particularly, I think Anthony Starr does a good job. And uh, and like I was already saying, that dream sequence is like the highlight of the entire movie. But it's just like, what's it even doing here? I will say that while I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is really great. But it's a dream sequence. I didn't even think for a fucking second that we're supposed to think any of this is happening in reality. But if you're going to go buck wild on that shit, then, then do it three more times, right? Do it four more times. At least give us more memorable stuff. It kind of felt like, ooh, this movie's not scary enough. I know what I'll do. I'll just throw in a bunch of scary stuff. And that's fine you can just do that in your movie you don't need to wait for a dream sequence yeah uh yeah can't believe you didn't think gary Busey, that kid how was that not distracting his teeth liam i didn't notice and i don't care (laughs) i mean i thought what was distracting what was distracting to me is that they i actually think it was a a pretty smart setup to be like let's have these jerk kids come back into the picture oh interesting so that we have some fodder i think that would have been great if the rest of what happens in that end of the movie was good then i would have been fine with that it's also weird that that reintroduction of these characters that are meant to be fodder like you just said adds a bunch of gore to the movie which up to that point has not been violent whatsoever and it's just it's like well I, i mean look i love gore but it's just what is this movie trying to be it could just be this creepy atmospheric thing which by the way this is a very the production design in this is pretty terrific the house itself is really cool it's so and really good. right and the the camera work is really unique and interesting with the, the the twisting of the the uh the camera and the kind of floaty nature of it and i think that it does a lot of interesting stuff but then every once in a while like there's a part where someone is cutting through a door and it does the shining pan, you know, the, the going back and going forward when the person is hitting the door. And I'm like, don't make me think of the shining right now. That's not doing yeah. you any favors movie. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it felt like an audition piece for a bigger movie. And that is not a good feeling. Uh, that said, I think some people have just taken it at, Oh, this is a creepy Halloween movie. And it's okay that, you know, it doesn't make hold together that well because it's all about like creepy monsters and it's about creepy people acting creepily during Halloween. And I think people really, some of our friends who watch this really responded to that. But I have to say, I'm falling right near you, Liam, in that it was it just feels like a big old missed opportunity. <clears throat> missed opportunity. <laughs> Fucking hell. Missed opportunity. I think if there was a big reveal that the original script was the idea that I shared with you off off recording Doug and that's that's what they were going to do and they lost their nerve I would dislike this movie less because I'd say yeah that's right because they set it up they set it up Doug why are there all those fucking pumpkins in the backyard you know why are there all those pumpkins in the backyard? they never explain because they changed the ending that's my new theory (laughs) that they were going to do what I said and then they lost their nerve 
Listeners, uh, for those who have seen Cobweb already or just don't give a shit, uh, reach out to us on social media and we will tell you what Liam's idea for the ending of this movie is. It's and a I better have, movie. I have to say, I'm a like I'm a skeptical man. I wouldn't blow smoke, Liam. It is a better ending, and it's a much smarter and more interesting way for this movie to go. Uh, this movie that I think that depending on your expectations of it, you can still have a creepy good time with it, particularly at this time of year for Halloween. But it is a movie that, to me, it went one in one ear and out the other. I just it doesn't have any resonance for me. It's the sort of movie that if I saw it at a festival, I wouldn't be mad that I saw it because I'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It's okay. But I think that um, it it has so much potential to be something better that sure. I, I get a little frustrated. And I'm a bit overreacting. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. No, no, no. But I'm just a little frustrated that it really made some decisions towards the end in my mind that made it a much less compelling movie. The funny thing is about that reveal and those decisions that are made, if the whole movie was just right from the beginning, it was like, oh, that's what this movie is, then I really wouldn't have any problem with it. Because then it would just agree. be right. But it's just it sets itself up to be more and then it's less. And that is that's a difficult pill to swallow when you're watching a movie like this. Liam, I do want to ask you, this is not a competition whatsoever. Uh, of the two movies that we talked about today, which did you enjoy more? Uh, no one is going to save you. I think well, that is not what it's called. <laughs> what is it again? No one will save it's you. No one will save you. Yeah. yeah, no one will save you. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I think I think that I think that's stronger overall. I think neither one is a perfect movie, uh, though they were fun sort of to get in the spirit of the season, let's say. Uh, yeah. but I do think No One Will Save You is more satisfying overall and does a better job with what it's doing. Whereas I think Cobweb really, really drops the ball and really takes some really good uh, things and, and kind of leaves them on the table. I think No One Will Save You is a much easier watch. And I think that for most people, they're going to have a lot more fun with it because Cobweb is not a fun movie. That's kind of its whole deal. It's got more of a creepy vibe for it. That said, I like the aesthetics of Cobweb more. And I think that there might be more to appreciate on a production level there. And, and the direction maybe is something that's a little more interesting. I feel like I feel that our thoughts on both of these movies, they kind of came to the same place, which is the twist or the, the big central pivot point of both movies are where they lose us a little bit, which is kind of interesting. The thing we can't spoil is exactly the thing that we didn't necessarily enjoy about them. So, I mean, I put them right on the same level. Just, it really depends on what kind of movie I'm interested in. Sometimes you just want that movie that, that is kind of more directly creepy and maybe Cobweb will scratch that itch for you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Liam. Sometimes we get really good ones. Uh, sometimes, yeah. We, I did, was Speak No Evil last year? I really enjoyed that. I know that you have mixed feelings on it, but um, I don't. I don't feel that. I don't feel. I, I'm frustrated because I really do think Cobweb ha had a lot more potential, especially because I think the topic is more interesting than Aliens. But, uh, but I, but, <laughs> but I just think that uh, because it made a it made decisions I didn't like. I'm a little being a little hard on it. But I sure if, if someone said they liked it, that's actually cool. I, I get why it would really work for some people. It just didn't really work for me. Well, if you do want to yell at Liam and myself for having terrible opinions about horror movies, uh, you can go over to cinemasmorgasbord.com and you can always contact us through there or on social media. You can find us on Twitter at cinemasmorg for now, uh, at S-M-O-R-G. Uh, or 
You can always find the latest episodes of all Cinema Smorgasbord podcasts over at cinepunks.com. You can yell at us over there as well. It's just that it, it's a less direct way to do so. And Cinepunks is on all social media, including now, Liam, on Blue Sky. Is this correct? It is correct. It is correct. And off of Twitter, Cinepunks is boom, out of there. I think we still have an account on there. I haven't erased the account, but I, I don't think we've posted anything to it for a while. Yeah, you're just feeding the AI machine over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's going on at Cinepunks? A lot of Halloween-y stuff happening? Yeah, man. It's Cineween, so uh, a few things going on. One is I made a uh, one of those horror challenge sort of watch lists with uh, every day has a different kind of uh, uh, subgenre or idea prompt. Uh, to pick a movie, and then I also posted a list of movies that I picked. So uh-huh. did Adriana. Uh, some people have been watching along and 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 uh, uh, p- picking movies and letting us know. I really appreciate that. Uh, check us out on Instagram. That's where I'm mostly posting about that. And then um, there's a column, Doug, that you sort of pitched that we all jumped on. Uh, very short pieces uh, defending or even just endorsing uh, horror movies that th- we think deserve another chance. Sure. Um, I uh, I just published a piece not too long ago on uh, Scream for Help, uh, a movie that I very much enjoy, and I know a few other people have, but I feel like not enough people have seen it. And sometimes the people who see it, even the ones who like it, they kind of write it off as like a so bad it's good kind of thing, which I think is kind of bullshit. And I think that there's a lot more going on with the movie that's interesting than people give it credit for. So... Uh, scream for help give it a chance i think uh you would like it and keep an eye on the site we're going to be trying to post halloween related stuff for the entire month of october uh it's not going to be like uh an overwhelming amount but there's some really interesting things coming absolutely so keep an eye yeah on. there's actually just been a huge amount of writing on the site generally recently so yeah everyone go over to cinepucks.com check that out and of course there's also a lot of great podcasts uh over there uh not just the latest cinema smorgasbord but just wonderful uh of all stripes uh, uh, podcasts that, that are coming out on a very regular basis. Uh, go over there and subscribe and rate and review and all that stuff. And in fact, if you're enjoying this podcast, somehow, <laughs> you can always leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice. This is not just a podcast uh, doing one once a year Halloween uh, horror movie reviews. Generally, Liam, we have themed podcasts devoted to such diverse topics as the career of Carol Kane, Alejandro Jodorowsky, Paul Bartel, Dick Miller, Jackie Chan, Steve Buscemi, all sorts of people. It's all over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. Or if you can't leave us a review for some goddamn reason, you could always just tell a friend. And that's always very helpful as well. Liam, where can people find you? Are you still on social media of some sort? Well, I'm, uh, uh, oh, what am I? I'm Blue Sky, Doug. Am I Liam <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you right now. Hold on. Liam. Uh, oh God, it doesn't. Yeah, you, you are Liam Rules. Uh, well, I'm at Liam Rules on uh blue sky and instagram uh so they can you know people can find me there i'm no longer on twitter uh and that's recommended but of course i'm also posting a lot to the cinepunks uh uh social media so you can see my stuff there as well yeah absolutely and of course if you're interested in joining the cinepunks discord why don't you reach out to one of us on social media and we can hook you up i mean there's lots of great conversations happening over there as well we always want more interactions and hey the fact is, the world is moving towards a more concentrated place to have these sort of con- uh, to have some of these conversations. Anyway, it might be a good place to find like-minded people. But Liam, for now, I want everyone out there to have a very scary and spooky Halloween season. Safe but spooky Halloween season. Don't get uh, human trafficked. I heard that's a big thing that's happening these days, Liam. 
Yeah, and watch out for Dracula's. Yeah, watch out for Dracula's. The two the two major fairs in the United States in 2023. Uh, and we're going to be back soon with uh, a normally themed podcast. Everyone have a happy Halloween. You got to say it too, Lynn. Oh, happy Halloween. There you go.